0: Alright, so hello everyone and welcome back to the Sorted Skeptics. Today Tim and I are going to be discussing the shadow from Carl Jung and discussing a little bit about why it's important that we properly integrate this if we're to orient ourselves properly in the world. So I'm here with uh, my co-host Tim, eh?
1: Hello, good to see you.
0: Alright, so let's start off with uh, what the shadow is and we're going to begin with a little quote from Jung here. So, whoever looks into the mirror of the water will see first of all his own face. Whoever goes to himself and risks a confrontation with himself. The mirror does not flatter. It faithfully shows whatever looks into it, namely the face we never show to the world because we cover it with the persona, the mask of the actor. But the mirror lies behind the mask and shows the true face. This confrontation is the first test of courage on the inner way. A test sufficient to frighten off most people, for the meeting with ourselves belongs to the most unpleasant things that can be avoided so long as we can project everything negative into the environment. But if we're able to see our own shadow and can bear knowing it, then a small part of the problem has already been solved. We have at least brought up the personal unconscious. The shadow is a living part of the personality and therefore wants to live with it in some form. It cannot be argued out of existence or rationalized into harmlessness. So that's from Carl Jung and the Archetypes and the Collective Unconscious. So quite a uh, mouthful of a quote there, wouldn't you say, Tim?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty deep. A lot to get into right there, eh? Yeah, there's there's
0: definitely a lot uh, that he's got going on there. So uh, let's talk a little bit about how the uh, the shadow can be characterized, so that we can get into why people should care <clears throat> about this concept at all. What do you think? For sure,
1: yeah. So the um, the shadow is characterized by many behaviors and emotions such as rage, jealousy, lying, resentment, blaming, and greed, and there are many others. But um, one main theme of the shadow is that it concerns facing the things about ourselves that repulse and horrify us, according to our own Conscious self, aka the ego. So one reason the shadow causes such an emotional stir is because normally we tend to project those seemingly awful qualities onto other people, as opposed to recognizing these undesirable traits within us. But if we try to listen to what the ch- shadow is trying to show or tell us, it can be our ally. Uh, but if we, if we, um, because the integration of the shadow is the first step towards individual and psychological wholeness, towards what Jung called individuation. And individuation can be defined as the achievement of self-actualization through a process of integrating the conscious and the unconscious.
0: So again, yeah, a lot to uh, a lot to take in there. So I like this idea of the individuation as uh, the achievement of self-actualization, but I guess the one thing that really brings up for me is self-actualization something that we can actually achieve or is this just something that we work towards what do you think
1: well i think it's generally something we we continually work towards for most of our lives we probably don't actually get self-actualized probably until the later you know points of our life mm-hmm. i think
0: well yeah i know because i've uh, definitely uh, fallen into this trap of thinking that i've reached it probably about 10 years ago but uh i realized i was definitely <laughs> a lot more ignorant then than i am now so that sort of begs the question is this just going to be a process that goes on for the rest of my life so in my 40s i'll realize how stupid i am now in my 30s and then 50s <laughs> 60s etc so you know what maybe just letting go of the whole idea and just sort of saying well you know keep working towards that uh unachievable goal, so to speak?
1: Well, it's like, it's, I guess it's kind of like striving for the truth, you know, Mm. like we might not always fully get there, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try at least. And, you know, as we go through life and we develop, we, you know, we get knocked down by something else, but then that causes us to grow again. Right. So it's just, to me, I just see it as an ongoing process, ongoing learning process that life is itself, too, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's always going to be something to work towards. But this whole idea of, uh, I guess, our rage and jealousy and resentment and blaming and and greed and all that—I mm-hmm. know we were talking about this really briefly before. But I think one of the things that really terrifies me about this process is that you know, I know I have definitely raged against certain ideologies and belief systems and and things like that in the past, and then, you know, I've kind of come around to say, okay, maybe that, that's not so bad after all, and, you know, right mm-hmm. now I'm kind of on a, a kick against the radical left and the social justice types, and I'm thinking, well, what is it about their behavior that I find so abhorrent, and maybe there's something about that in myself that I can't really integrate properly, so I try to externalize it out onto the uh, this group of individuals.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's good awareness to have, and important questions to ask too Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um and just you know it's it's not always necessarily projection if we're um because we do i think we do have a need to like figure out what personifies evil or you know we're not without some sort of you know our own subjective bias but we'll we're gonna like look more into that with the with the collective shadow, so okay. okay. Um, well, I
0: mean, I remember yeah. uh, was it Solzhenitsyn saying the the line between good and evil runs down the heart of every man. Mm-hmm. So there's right. probably there's probably definitely that that idea in there because I think once you realize your own vulnerability and you know how to cause suffering in other people, that's sort of the uh, the the root of evil right there. So, uh, not right. up, up next here we got, uh, yeah, until we understand what the shadow is, by holding the concept in consciousness and doing the inner work to understand and integrate our personal shadow, it will stay completely unconscious and can wreak havoc on ourselves and the people around us. As Robert Bly points out, if you're very judgmental, it can mean you have a long shadow, but when you realize that what you're judging shares something within you, your warmth increases. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot there too. well
1: i was paraphrasing something from a audiobook that he was saying but i think there's some truth to that because you know if you're going around judging everything around you there might be that could be a problematic existence i think mm. <laughs> if if it's like overtaking you and it's making you feel guilty as as well for for judging and uh I don't know. That's just something I've noticed within myself. Like I, I kind of wonder why do, why do I um, <clears throat> judge people around me? Like sometimes in my day-to-day life and what's the uh, what's the thing behind that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I, I would prefer rather to be more, um, you know, accepting in general and not so get, get not so get not be so embedded in, in judgments. Too much, right? I mean, I think there's a balance to
0: that. Yeah, maybe let some of that go a little bit and just sort of, uh, you know, realize things are as they are rather than trying to attach Mm. some kind of moral significance to everything we see around us. You know, I think having a good. Yeah, it's exhausting. (laughs) Exactly. That's a great way of describing it. If you're constantly going around judging everybody and all that stuff, Uh, and it's probably hard to notice the pattern, but I think when you notice it in other people, it's much easier to recognize once it's safely externalized out uh somewhere that you can point at it and say you know that's uh that's really bad so uh, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. so um edward c whitman who's another analyst he describes how the shadow is the archetypal experience of the other fellow who in his strainess strangeness is always suspect it is the archetypal urge for a scapegoat for someone to blame and attack in order to vindicate oneself and be justified It is the archetypal experience of the enemy, the experience of the blameworthiness which always adheres to the other fellow, since we are under the illusion of knowing ourselves and of having already dealt adequately with our own problems. In other words, to the extent that I have to be right and good, he, she, and they become the carriers of all evil, which I fail to acknowledge within myself. So I think that kind of gets to the, (laughs) another way to get to the heart of it. In a sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's see here. Alright, so discussing where the uh, the shadow comes from. So the Union Shadow. Let's take a look here. Alright, so we each have a personal shadow which begins development in childhood. During this time we identify with ideal personality characteristics like being polite and generous, which are reinforced by our parents. But at the same time, we force the qualities that don't fit into our ideal self-image, such as rudeness and selfishness, into our shadow. From this dynamic of building up the ego and pushing the negative into our shadow, they each develop one behind the other, constructing each other out of the same life experiences. So I I like this idea because it's sort of the idea where once you build up this ideal self-image in your mind, everything that doesn't fit with it gets shoved off... uh, into a sort of unconsciousness, mm-hmm. and it can manifest itself down the road in a number of maladaptive ways. And I guess the uh, the point of this is to try to avoid some of that by being able to properly incorporate that into consciousness.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way to sum it up, for sure.
0: So there's a uh, um... a few different factors here as well, which can play a role in forming our shadow selves, which ultimately determine what is permissible expression and what is not. Parents, siblings, teachers, clergy, and friends create a complex environment in which we can learn what is kind, proper, moral behavior, and what is mean-spirited, shameful, and sinful. So to miss the mark, so to speak.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we have all these yeah moral influences that tell us what's wrong and you know what's right, essentially. And this. Um, this builds up as we as we grow up right mm-hmm. but um and it makes us feel guilty for <laughs> participating in those things that we we thought weren't um weren't good right and, yeah uh, but it creates a split that's the problem it creates a a definitive split which uh is not good as well because there's a lack of nuance i suppose. In, you know, our, our actions and our, our perception of things, right? If everything's just all good or all evil, then it can become too extreme. I find.
0: Yeah. And it's, it, it could be very difficult to, I guess, engage with people if you've already been placed on the side of evil. You know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of like, if, if you already think I'm evil because I don't share your beliefs or something to that effect, it can be very difficult to have a productive dialogue because there's really no mm-hmm. no common ground there, and it would go the same the other way too. If you were to construct your enemies as being wholly evil without any redeeming qualities at all, then what is there to really discuss, you know? And I mean, there yeah, there are yeah, probably cases that... where that's uh, that is causing a lot of problems. And uh, yeah, I think proper integration is going to yeah. help to uh, to correct that a little bit.
1: Yeah, actually, there was just one part about the collective shadow that I just wanted to just quickly go over, which is really pertinent to our present, I think, situation. So um, it says, today we are confronted with the dark side of human nature each time we open a newspaper or watch the evening news. The more repugnant effects of the shadow are made visible to us in a daily prodigious media message that is broadcast globally throughout our modern electronic village. The world has become a stage for the collective shadow. The collective shadow, human evil, is staring back at us virtually everywhere. It shouts from newsstand headlines. It wanders our streets, sleeping in doorways, homeless. It squats in x-rated neon-lit shops on the peripheries of our city. It embezzles our monies from the local savings and loan. It corrupts power-hungry politicians and perverts our systems of justice. It does invading armies... It drives invading armies through dense jungles and across desert sands. It sells arms to mad leaders and gives the profits to reactionary insurgents. It pours pollution through hidden pipes into our rivers and oceans and poisons our food with invisible pesticides. These observations are not some new fundamentalism thumping on a biblical version of reality. Our era has has made forced witnesses of us all. The the whole world is watching. There is no way to avoid the frightening specter of satanic shadows acted out by conniving politicians, white-collar criminals, and fanatic terrorists. Our inner desire to be whole, now made manifest in the machinery of global communication, forces us to face the conflicting hypocrisy that is everywhere today. While most individuals and groups live out the socially acceptable side of life, others seem to live out primarily the socially disowned parts. When they become the object of negative group projections, the collective shadow takes the form of scapegoating, racism, or enemy making. To anti-communist Americans, the USSR is the evil empire. To Muslims, America is the great Satan. To Nazis, the Jews are vermin Bolsheviks. To ascetic Christian monks, witches are in league with the devil. To South African advocates of apartheid or American members of the Ku Klux Klan, blacks are subhuman undeserving of the rights and privileges of white of whites so yeah they that's their you know their take on the collective Damn. shadow and
0: yeah that's uh <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely a lot there that's yeah so you're gonna take everything that's that's wrong with the world in a sense and uh that would be an expression or a manifestation of this uh this collective shadow
1: yeah and mm. this was um A lot of our material we're getting from this book, it's called Meeting the Shadow, and um, it's got like 65 essays um, from a bunch of Jungian analysts and other authors and um, many other great figures. So it does a great job of exploring the many aspects of the shadow and also what to do about it. So nice. um,
0: Yeah. All right, well we're going to have so anyways. to we'll have to figure out that uh Amazon affiliate marketing crap that allows people to buy the book <laughs> and then we get like 8 cents from it. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out at some point, but uh yeah, pick up that book uh, that and book, uh yeah, and read uh, and read through that. So, let's talk a little bit about the uh the purpose of the shadow here. So, the shadow acts is a kind of psychological immune system, defining what is self and what is not self. For the varieties of people in different families and cultures, what aligns with the ego and the shadow can vary. For instance, some families and cultures permit the expression of anger or aggression. Most do not. Some permit sexuality, vulnerability, or strong emotions. Many do not. Some permit financial ambition or artistic expression or intellectual development. While others might not be so keen on those ideas. So, uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, certain families and cultures have certain values, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
0: the way I'm kind of picturing live... this is the uh, the I guess the person who's raised up in a very repressive environment, all of a sudden going completely nuts when they go to college because they have all this freedom they've never had before, and they <laughs> ha- they have no idea yeah. how to, to to integrate it. And the, I've always described this as being the the people getting their stomach pumped on a Tuesday afternoon because they just have no idea how much liquor they can consume before they completely lose control of it. Um, Yeah, that could be... uh... Yeah, or or maybe the people that grew up in a uh, a very chaotic household all of a sudden being really obsessed with order because uh, it's, I guess, a a craving for stability that they never had growing up. So I guess everyone kind of reacts to the way they were raised in a sort of uh, balancing on the back of the snake kind of way.
1: Like, well, yeah, with the unconscious and the shadow, I think there's a compensating effect. So mm. basically it tries to encourage a lot of the times it can encourage the opposite of what we're consciously going for, because, you know, in our in our self, in our ego, we have, you know, certain things, ideals, but then what's left in the shadow is usually, you know, could be the opposite. Right. Right. And but then the shadow wants a certain type of ex- wants an expression and wants that attention. And it wants you to go for those other things too. Right. Yeah. And that's where it kind of tries to bring about a wholeness of personality once it's, you know, sorted out properly, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And I, and I do like the way that, uh, that Peterson kind of describes these personalities be, as being sort of living entities with their own motivations, their own friends, their own belief systems mm-hmm. and all that. And, I guess they all have to try to get along inside our head. So if we are constantly right. pushing things off to the shadows of our consciousness, they're going to find some way of manifesting themselves, and it's probably better to uh, to face that threat head on. So, yeah,
1: yeah, and not everything that's put in the shadow is exactly bad. So mm-hmm. uh, not all the feelings and capacities that are rejected by the ego and exiled into the shadow are what we consider negative traits. According to Lillian Freyron, this dark treasury includes our infantile parts, emotional attachments, neurotic symptoms, as well as our undeveloped talents and gifts. So the shadow, she says, retains contact with the lost depths of the soul, with life and vitality. The superior and universally human, yes, even the creative, can be sensed there. So, <laughs> so yeah, if you're, you know, living a fairly yeah repressed existence, there's a good chance that. Um, You know, a lot of your creativity or your talents can uh, can be shoved into the shadow, and it's probably begging to be expressed one way or another. And and uh, I I know
0: I would mention uh, earlier about the aggression part of it, and I know that uh, a lot of that anger and aggression it it can often serve as a kind of canary in the coal mine to when one's boundaries have been violated, and if you've constantly mm -hmm. suppressed your anger you're never going to be able to respond to it properly because if you don't get angry, people don't really have any reason to think they've violated your boundaries. So it is good to be able to have an, a handle on that so that you don't get so angry that you eventually explode. Like if you're able to yeah. re- release it in such a way that's uh, that's still sort of socially acceptable, that's probably going to be a better option than allowing the anger to build up and build up until the point where you believe that being itself is corrupt and would be better done away with. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we tend to grow up in homes where anger is usually seen as a very terrible thing. And anger is synonymous. We we tend to see uh, anger synonymous with with rage when that's not really the case. And rage is like the overblown aspect and um, the very abusive part of. But anger is more. It's just your own kind of, you know, disagreement, and you're wanting to things be better than they currently are, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, and and there are appropriate ways to express anger, and um, which could be a good episode for a future podcast. Actually. Yeah,
0: absolutely. How to uh, how to deal with that?
1: Yeah, because um, yeah, generally, yeah, in our society we see anger as such a horrible thing, but actually, it's I don't think that's quite the case, and if, if we, if we all learned how to like manage that better, we would be, you know, less depressed and, um, yeah, be able to live more fully in a sense, I would say.
0: Nice. So how can we become more aware of the shadow?
1: Right. So at first it's good to point out, um, as James Hillman, a, another prolific Jungian analyst said, he said, uh, the unconscious cannot be conscious. Uh, the moon has its dark side, the sun goes down and cannot shine everywhere at once, and even God has two hands. Attention and focus require some things to be out of the field of vision to remain in the dark. One cannot look both ways. So you might be wondering, okay, if something's completely unconscious, then how can we actually, you know, get in touch with it? So Since the unconscious is inherently difficult to be aware of, we see the shadow mostly indirectly in the unpleasant characteristics and actions of other people outside of us where it's safer to observe it. When we have an intense reaction to an aspect of an individual group, such as laziness or stupidity, sensuality or spirituality, and our reaction overcomes us with either great disgust or respect, this may reveal our shadow. Because we project the shadow by attributing this quality to the other person in an unconscious effort to banish it from ourselves, to keep ourselves from looking within. Later on, we discover our repressed thoughts and feelings and distressing encounters with others.
0: Now, I think the best example I can think of is this, is the the convenient excuse of just labeling our political opponents as fools, or just, they're just really stupid. (laughs) You know, it's, it's just a little bit too convenient that the people you disagree with are just like really stupid. And (laughs) I don't know. I mean, yeah, I (laughs) I mean, exactly. Yeah. And I've I've caught myself doing this uh, a couple of times and I try to think, okay, well, you know, maybe it's out of my own ignorance that, uh, that I'm just not fully understanding what their position is, but, uh, I don't know. Maybe they're just, maybe they're just idiots. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, it sometimes can be to, to distinguish, yeah, when um, when it's not projection and when it's your act, when it's more of an accurate assessment of things. But um, you know, I suppose for me, like I'm just trying to keep from um, keep myself or watch myself when I'm just doing these simplified labels of things because. In essence, it's pretty unnuanced, right? And yeah. um, I'm trying to think. It's also just a good exercise to think, why do they think that way, and what's what's the reaction that they're that they're that I'm getting? Why is this happening, right? So, um, so we there are also a few other uh, ways we can notice it when we're encountering the shadow, which is in our overblown feelings about others. So, for example, like I'd say, I just can't believe he would do that. Um, and negative feedback from others who serve as our mirrors. So someone says, this is the third time you arrived late without calling me. And in those interactions in which we continually have the same troubling effect on several different people. So there's like a pattern. Um, right. n- another one is in our impulsive acts or unintended acts or speech. So like slips of the tongue or... You know, actions that we didn't really have fully control and that turn into accidents. Um, and also in situations in which we're humiliated and in our exaggerated anger about other people's faults. Mm-hmm. So I guess the key theme is like an ex like a very intense emotion that really grips us. That's one good way to to see if your your shadow's, um, you know, trying to come out, basically.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's this thing, it's, uh, what's that phrase? It's, we often hate most about other people, that which we hate most about ourselves. <laughs> so, I mean, I think there's a benefit there, is if you notice something that other people do that just really gets under your skin to a, I don't know, a kind of an extreme degree, maybe it's a good indication of, you know, something that you probably never want to do. You know, because you're not really going to be able to live with yourself effectively if you're engaging in the kind of behavior that you hate in other people, because you can only lie to yourself about that kind of stuff for so long before it really starts to eat away at your soul, and uh, Mm -hmm. you can't really blind yourself to your own hypocrisy any longer. So I think it's important to pay attention in situations where you have these overblown feelings about other people, because it might be giving you some kind of an indication or a a mirror, I guess you could say, into uh, how... To better orient yourself because, uh, yeah, these emotions are not really the most fun to deal with. Mm hmm.
1: Mm hmm. Exactly. And, um, yeah, and, I, and I, as I mentioned before, too, it can be kind of humbling to realize, oh, wait, I do that exact same thing as well. Or I've done, you know, something similar that that person might be doing. So, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I hate laugh. that. We're, I hate <laughs> that.
0: We're just like, oh, fuck i do that too i do that too and yeah it's a tough one (laughs) yeah it can definitely it can definitely be humbling we're like oh i you know i hate it when people do that and yeah you're pulling off the same trick
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it can help you understand it more like the other person as well more i find too so
0: yeah i know uh i think it's also important to let people know why all of this matters because uh these are kind of unusual concepts and I know depth psychology is not the uh not super popular it's not exactly the K- Kardashians of psychology so to speak. <laughs> so uh so these ideas right. do speak to something very deep and fundamental and uh although the world is a lot better now than it really has ever been in the past by any metric that you can conceive of there's sort of this sharp divide that seems to be growing among us in the west now this could also just be the influence of the media always trying to push the most negative narrative possible in order to get the eyeballs on the ads. But in order Mm -hmm. for us to speak truth into being, we have to ensure that our shadows are properly integrated. And if we can recognize the traits we hate most in ourselves, we're less likely to fall prey to our own temperamental bias. So with
1: temperamental biases, could you speak a bit more sure um, so
0: you know i'm talking about uh like our temperament in terms of our personality like how agreeable or disagreeable we are how neurotic Mm. or non-neurotic or how conscientious things like this so if we notice that uh you know we really just hate a lack of orderliness in other people or a lack of industriousness in another group of people you know that's not necessarily the most accurate judgment of reality but it will give you uh, I guess, an insight into how it is that you behave and how you orient in the world so you can sort of recognize that and say, okay, well, I happen to be a little bit higher on orderliness, so I'm probably going to be a little bit more pissed off than other people if there are dirty dishes left in the sink. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not that they're evil or they're stupid or anything like that. It just, that really ticks me off. So not only do I mm-hmm. not have to do it myself, but I also have to recognize that when I see it, it's going to piss me off a lot more than it pisses off someone else and they're probably not going to understand when I just completely flip out about it, you know?
1: (laughs) So it's basically, yeah, to cultivate a higher sense of of
0: self-awareness. Exactly. Self-awareness. So, uh, that's going to be the, uh, the added benefit there.
1: Yeah. So, um, just a few, um, here are some, essentially some points as to why, why it's a good reason, some good reasons to do some shadow work. So, Essentially, it would help us achieve a more genuine self acceptance based on a more complete knowledge of who we are. So, what you spoke of before, mm-hmm. um, it'll help diffuse the negative emotions that erupt unexpectedly in our daily lives. Yeah. I think that sounds like a pretty good thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, feel more free of the guilt and shame associated with our negative feelings and actions. And I think that comes with the self, a higher degree of self acceptance um we can recognize the proje- the projections that color our opinion of others um it'll help heal our relationships through more honest self-examination and direct communication and it'll it'll enables us to use the creative imagination via dreams drawing writing and rituals to own the disowned self so I don't know about you, but those sound like some pretty good things too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might help uh, cool down some of these Twitter storms a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> if uh, I mean it's it's not the uh, the easiest to communicate openly and honestly with, uh, I guess, a character length that short. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if people were a little bit uh, less angry online, it would probably do uh, do us all a world of good. I I always think of the example of. Uh, of somebody in a Starbucks line like screaming at someone on the internet on their phone while they're waiting to buy a coffee. But there's no way in hell they would say that to the person standing right behind them. Not to their face. Like it just Yeah. I think uh social media has a way of kind of amplifying people's aggression because there's no real threat there. Like with uh I know Peterson talks a little bit about this as well, that when we're dealing with other men face to face, we all know in the back of our mind that there's a, a potential for physical violence, so we have to kind of temper ourselves a little bit because if we, if we were to say the kind of shit we say online to other people, there's a good chance that uh, one or both of us could end up with serious permanent injury. So we have a, <laughs> a, we have a reason to not uh, not be such yeah. dicks face-to-face. And I think a lot of that gets lost when we communicate online. So I guess the way I try to deal with that is I would never say anything on social media that I wouldn't say to someone's face. Uh, and I think that helps keep me honest and helps keep my, uh, you know, my temperamental bias in check and uh st- yeah stops my more libertarian proclivities from coming out and ripping on people for their <laughs> statist attitudes and all that kind of stuff and i try to take myself a little bit less seriously on that uh on those subjects
1: yeah i think that's a go- good rule to have and for me i think one could argue that you know the shadow is getting really gets so projected all over like online media and social media and that's kind of why i've kind of like taken a break from it (laughs) from the most part good idea you know um so yeah i mean because we were one of the last
0: generations to grow up without social media you know what i mean like we only had the internet come in when uh probably towards the end of elementary school for us so i mean i still have you know distinct memories of not having internet at all you know what I mean? It just it wasn't yeah. a thing before 1994. So as kids, we still got to, you know, ride our bikes around and go to the park and do all that other kind of stuff without worrying about how many retweets we got and how many hearts we got on on Instagram or how many chats got snapped or whatever it is the kids are playing with these days. Yeah. How many how many DMs are getting slid into, so to speak. You know, that that's a new one I learned about too, sliding into DMs that that that's a thing people do to to creep on women, I think. Uh, I'm not totally sure. it, it just, Wow, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> this. I think it's on Instagram where instead of posting right. a comment publicly, you'll just slide in a "Oh, hey, baby, how's it going" into a, a direct message, and, and this is a thing. Right. I, I don't know what the point of it is, but apparently it's very popular. So we'll have to we'll have to figure <laughs> that out. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. Because
0: we're falling for behind sure. the times real quick. And uh, and to all you younger people out there in your teens and early twenties. It'll happen faster than you bloody think it will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I just like what you said about considering like what you'd say online to compare to what you'd say in real life. I think that's such a key thing too, right? Yeah, like on
0: Facebook I've always used my real name, I've always used my real picture. So I take a a certain amount of liability with what actually comes out of my mouth because or out of my thumbs or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I know it's all permanent. You know, and there's going to be times later where I'll probably reflect back and be like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess what I said in, you know, 2011 is not exactly what I think now. However, th- this <laughs> was my reasoning back then, and this is how it's changed now. But uh, I think it's always important to remember that everything that's said is permanent and uh, everybody can remember it forever. That's the the kind of thing that it's different about social media than it is with face-to-face interactions. Like if if you were to say something untoward, people can forget it you know memory is a little bit more fallible in that sense but the uh the way back machine and all these things on the internet the catalog like catalog everything on like a 24 hour basis it's it's permanent it's written in something that's well just as permanent if not more so than ink you know ink will dry and wear out and paper will fade over time but the internet well provided our electrical grid stays you know relatively stable <laughs> that shit is permanent
1: yeah yeah so um just to continue Why does the shadow matter? Um, Carl Jung and his followers believe that psychotherapy offered a practice for renewal in which the shadow could be brought into awareness and integrated, thus minimizing its destructive potentials and releasing trapped positive life energy. So this kind of connects to what we're talking about, about finding ways to appropriately express anger. That doesn't turn into destructive rage Mm. so that's one of the benefits and also the shadow is the door to our individuality and confronting it leads to personal growth and integrating the shadow involves knowing ourselves and thus increasing our self-knowledge so there and there also is the possibility of having a positive shadow which is when when one is unable to integrate their positive potential and devalues themselves excessively or if one identifies with one's negative side too much, then the positive potential becomes the shadow.
0: Yeah, so. that's weird, eh? Where it's like people that are way too far on the other side of it, there's probably a bunch of untapped potential there, like your creativity uh, and all these other things. Like, you know, you could be like the Michelangelo of painting, but, uh, you know, if you got the old cat of nine tails every single time you busted out a pencil to draw when you were growing mm-hmm. up, then yeah, that's, that's going to be incorporated into the shadow. And uh, that has exactly. to come, that has to reemerge into consciousness uh, in order for you to take full advantage of that. And the same thing with, uh, yeah, with anger, being able to express that properly and not suppress it to the point where you explode in destructive rage.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, do you want to take a look into how we can integrate the shadow? Here are some ways to do All that. Right.
0: So, uh, the Jungian analyst, William A. Miller. Other people act as a mirror for us. Since we can see the shadow dimensions in other people, then other people can see our shadows. Asking for feedback in others as to how they perceive us is one of the most effective methods for gaining insight into our personal shadow. Consider asking from people who know you well. Also, paradoxically, the people who are most likely to be helpful with this uh, are the least likely to be listened to. So you are are the least likely. Since we may write them off for being too subjective, projecting, or simply lying, so I guess it's that whole familiarity can breed contempt thing, (laughs) you can consult many people to confirm what one of them perceives about you. So yeah, probably not something that you want to go and uh, ask a stranger in a bar about. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey man, how's it going? I know you don't know me, but can you sort of list off my most negative qualities? And they're like, yeah, sure, you're kind of a weirdo for asking me that and i'm a complete stranger so yeah <laughs> yeah and obviously
1: you know you ask like a close friend or family and you know to, you can ask them to do it nicely as well and um it'll it'll be it'll be constructive for sure so yeah so obviously yeah for sure uh, <laughs> don't ask strangers definitely and uh
0: yeah not not the best pickup people... line either right
1: Yeah, yeah. People have known you for years, for sure. (laughs) Um, Also, we can also examine our projections by making a list of all the qualities we do not like in other people, like a bad temper, selfishness, bad manners, condescension, and greed, among others. So you can extract those qualities that you not only dislike, but hate, loathe, and despise. So you have some really strong feelings toward those qualities, and um, the shorter list will serve as a fairly accurate picture of our personal shadow, which will be hard to believe and accept. And certainly not all our criticisms of others are projections of our own acceptable shadow traits, but anytime our response to another person involves extreme emotion or, or an overreaction, then we can be certain that something unconscious has been poked at and is being triggered. In the experience of conflict, we can learn a great deal about our shadow characteristics, so that we can, so that we condemn in the enemy. So what we condemn in the en- enemy may be nothing less than a shadow projection of our own darkness.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good there too when it comes to, not everything that we hate about other people is necessarily part of our shadow. You know, like someone right. that goes up and chops up a bunch of kids with an axe that's probably not a projection of our shadow. That's probably just really <laughs> fucked up and you don't want to do that. Right. So it's not like, probably Oh not man, good. do I, <laughs> do I secretly want to chop people up with an ax? It's like, no, no, probably not. That guy's just fucked. Yeah. So yeah, don't, uh, don't be falling don't into that trap either.
1: <laughs> yeah. Learning how to distinguish that is pretty important. Um, they're also mentioning that like in dreams, um, that's another place where you can kind of detect the shadow. Um, one thing they mentioned was characters who, who are, um, share the same gender as you Mm. basically they, um, people in your dream, they can, um, they can, uh, express those, um, those qualities and, um, and also they talk about like analyzing daydreams and fantasies, which we won't get much into here, but, um, but there's many different ways to pretty much. Yeah. Um, to get in touch with the shadow, you can even do a quick Google search or um, that book that I mentioned before, Meeting the Shadow, um, has a ton of great different um, exercises that you can try out. But, um, but yeah, I think um, what's also interesting too is that we can see the shadow like in in movies and stories like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's essentially a story about the shadow.
0: Yeah, it's right in on the Star nose. Wars, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was like completely inspired by it, pretty much. Yeah. like he wrote it basically because of a dream that he had, essentially. And um, yeah, in Star Wars, there's a lot of like shadow imagery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like in Return of the Jedi, basically when Luke is about to strike down his strike down Darth Vader, he looks up at his um, glove, and it's the black glove mm. that covers his mechanical hand. And so I think in that instance, he realized that, um, you know, he could follow the dark side or he could he could do the right thing and reject the emperor's uh, wishes of killing his own father.
0: Yeah. Or like when he so, goes down into the cave and yeah. uh, chops off his and head. And, back. Yeah. And he's got that uh, that face and he's like, oh, my God, it's actually me. Like yeah, those yeah. those movies were way better than the crap they're putting out now. Like oh my god, <laughs> like so much depth there by comparison. It's like it's like yeah, just totally uh, totally different. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think having that uh, yeah those Im- those images and giving people an idea of like okay, well yeah, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You got the two different sides of his personality where one of them's kind of a goody two shoes and the other's like a total psychopath. It's probably not that extreme in most people but I think having it uh, represented archetypally like that is it's just an easier illustration.
1: Yeah, exactly. For so sure. when
0: we're uh, we're going about integrating the shadow, we can definitely be uh shocked by looking into that mirror and seeing who we really are and it's uh it's definitely not a comfortable journey to go through but I think it's probably in everyone's best interest and in the interest of the people around them to figure out exactly what it is their dark side represents. And how to properly incorporate that, so not only do they not react with extreme anger, but they're also able to maximize their own creativity and uh, overall potential.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, as mentioned before, it's pretty much the first step to our to our individuation, and um, and yeah, I would say like it's it kind of goes like the opposite of what you'd think. Of what you'd might assume one spiritual evolution might, um, might comprise of, because yeah. you think like, oh, just focusing on positive things and how to how to become really virtuous; those are all good things too. But there's also that other side too that needs attention, which is the shadow, and um, yeah, being in touch with that and figuring out how it manifests and what it's trying to um, what it's trying to point us towards too, and give it give it some sort of appropriate expression so it doesn't you know it doesn't unconsciously wreak havoc essentially.
0: So yeah, because it's down there somewhere and it's going to find uh, a way to manifest itself if it I guess feels ignored. That's the, probably the, yeah. the best way I could characterize it. I mean, we're talking about yeah, yeah. some of these weird depth psychology issues, so you know
1: <laughs> exactly. I think that's exactly ignored and repressed for sure
0: fantastic so uh yeah that's basically a breakdown of uh what the shadow is and how to properly incorporate it was there anything else you wanted to add here tim um i think
1: i'm i'm pretty good for now i think we supplied a pretty good general overview and um likely we can go more specifically into how it uh, manifests in other episodes
0: absolutely and if uh if you guys have any questions or comments or Anything that you need clarified, leave them in the comments below of whatever social media platform you happen to find this on, and we'll uh, we'll try to clarify that for you as best we can. So, once again, uh, I'm Shredder Steve.
1: And I'm Timmy. Thanks for listening.
0: And we are the Sorted Skeptics, and we will see you next time. Thanks again.